Phoenix Founders Podcast is sponsored by Arizona Venture Development Corp. AVC invests in early stage tech startups and funds across multiple sectors, including software, while providing access to equity capital for underrepresented founders and communities in Arizona. You're listening to the Phoenix Founders Podcast, where we talk with remarkable founders who are making Phoenix a top software city. We're digging into the highs and lows of company building and getting a little vulnerable to find out what makes these founders keep going. If you've been in Phoenix for a while, you know the name Heidi Jananga. She's a little famous in this community for co-founding one of the most successful software companies to come out of Phoenix, WebPT. Here is the quintessential story of a subject matter expert who simply wanted to solve a real problem she was experiencing. Over the last 17 years, That solution has grown to become the platform every physical therapy business knows and uses. This is a story about what it looks like to go big, to own an industry, to change lives for the better, and to give back. We are so excited to kick off the Phoenix Founders Podcast with Heidi. Let's go. Okay, welcome back to the Phoenix Founders Podcast. Uh, we've got Heidi Jananga with us today, the Chief Clinical Officer and Co-Founder of WebPT and longtime friend. So Heidi, thank you so much for being here today. Of course, Greg. Thank you so much for having me and Ali. Always a pleasure. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Can we, should we just dive right in? Yeah, let's do it. We've got a lot to talk about today. So WebPT is, of course, one of the biggest success stories for Phoenix. You're, you're acting a little humble over there, <laughs> but it is. Uh, it started as a bootstrap SaaS company that started a solution to a problem that you were experiencing as a physical therapist. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, gosh, it's now 15 years since we launched the company, which is crazy to think about. But yes, I was a practicing physical therapist for about 15 years, actually. That number 15 seems to be popping up and was having issues with just P&L responsibility and expenses rising in my business. And one of them was transcription and dictation. And so partnered up with a technologist, Brad Jananga, who helped us to sort of solve that problem and building uh, you know, that first version one of, uh, of our software to really tackle the documentation piece within physical therapy. So we launched that company in February of 2008. I always tell the story. We sold five clinics that very first month, and now we have close to 50% market share 15, ma- 15 wow. years later. So yeah, it's been an incredible ride, but at the gist of it, it was a problem that I was having as a physical therapist and, you know, problem solving at its best turned into a business. Can we talk about that middle piece between the first five customers and 50% market share, which is a huge jump, uh, a 15-year jump, if it were. At some point, you realized that this could, could be big and decided, let's raise a little money, and then that, that money worked, and maybe we should raise some more money, and you raised with Battery Ventures, and then it kept going from there. Can you tell us about your funding journey? Yeah, so we bootstrapped it for the first two years of build, and then the first two years after we launched the company. Um, and at that point, there were some stars that were aligning as far as regulatory changes and things within the healthcare industry that were, you know, physicians were starting to become mandated to use an electronic health record. And so there were incentives out there for providers to start adopting technology into their, into their clinics. And you have to remember, I mean, it's hard to even think about today, like 80% of therapists when we first started were using pen and paper to do their documentation for patients. Like it's, 
it's unfathomable to think about today um, and the remarkable change that has happened in such a, a short period of time uh, within the greater healthcare uh, industry. Um, but it's changed a lot. Um, and so um, in 2010, we made the decision um, as we were at a million dollar run rate at that point. The best problem an entrepreneur can have is too many customers trying to adopt your platform and not enough resources to get them adopted quickly. So we decided to um, do an angel round here in uh, Arizona, um, and we ended up taking a million dollars in from Canal Partners, led by Jim Armstrong, legendary Jim Armstrong. Yes. And we ran with that one million for four years, you know, grew the company to 20 million. And at that point, there were acquisitions and some things that we couldn't do with, you know, the, the uh, revenue that we were um, making at that point. And we wanted, we made that, that was like the decision point to really swing for the fences. We had product market fit. We had obvious crazy adoption rates. Um, and we knew we had the opportunity to grow faster. And so that's when we decided to uh, do a process um, and go the venture capital round where we found Battery Ventures, who invested us in, in, in us in 2016. You were also massively capital efficient. I mean, you, it took you $1 million of outside capital, which I know you really didn't use much of anyway, to get to $20 million right. in revenue. I mean, that's, I think a lot of us uh, kind of are getting back to those days now <laughs> where we are focused on efficient growth. But you, you were like the OG of uh, efficient growth. Well, and, the, and knowing the value of equity. Yes. Right? Uh, yes. Because I think too, that gets lost in translation a lot these For days sure. of grow by any means necessary. And um, I think that we, you know, process efficiency, but also equity and, and use of that. We are continuing, continuing to have that equity available to us was is really important. And so at every stage, even at that first investment where we had already grew to a million, in, in, at least in run rate, you had the opportunity to be in the driver's seat. Right. And then at the battery venture stage, we, um, you know, we did give up 51% of the company at that point, but we also were in control of that decision. We and ran you got, and with, you got a great partner, right? You and got, we and, got a great partner. Yeah, yeah. This is, there's a whole conversation about how to choose the right partner built in here. But yes, we've been very lucky to have been able to go through a process where we had a lot of interest. Our SAS metrics were, you know, off the charts. And so um, having the ability to then choose the right partner and take the time, pay, having patience to choose the right partner uh, was, was really incredible. And so Battery, fantastic partner for, for um, almost five years. Um, and then in 2019, uh, we uh, took on private equity as our partner at that point, sold to private equity in 2019 with Warburg Pincus, which is now currently our, our continued amazing partner. Yeah, another great partner. Yeah. And where is WebPT today? You said 50% of the market? Yeah, just shy, just depending on if how you calculate you know, uh, market shares, at least more, more than 50% of the market is using one of our products because now we have a whole platform suite of products that we, um, not just, just a documentation platform, we actually just launched a whole new category name of practice experience management. So um, trying to understand, like get the whole uh, industry to understand like the platform capacity of having an all-in-one system versus, mm -hmm. you know, piecing together the different um, technology components that you might need to run your business. So that's been a huge success of people really understanding and grasping like, hey, technology can be used from start to finish from, you know, 
lead generation, patient generation, or leads all the way to billing and accounting and the work. So, um, yeah, so we are closing in on 200 million, um, you know, and so it's <laughs> been Congratulations. a ride from zero to, to 215 years, which I don't know. Is that long? Is that a oh long my time? gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask about uh, kind of founder mindset along yeah. the journey. So you were, I see this a lot where you've got someone who experienced a problem firsthand. So you, you are the, you're the buyer persona, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, so you, you, uh, you experienced the problem firsthand, but did you, did you have any idea when you started WebPT that you were going to have a big product portfolio? And did you, did you think this was possible or did your, has something changed in your ambition or your mindset or like how big you think this market opportunity is? I'd love to hear about your kind of founder mindset and how that's changed over time. Yeah. So first and foremost, I have to give credit to my co-founder, the, the technology partner, the, the web and web PT, um, because, you know, technology and Heidi Janenga probably weren't using the same sentence when we first started <laughs> this journey. Right. Yeah. And so sort of his vision of being able to uh, bring technology to solve the problem that I was having. Right. It was my problem. I brought the problem to the table um, and together we he he and I created the solution. It's a powerful combo. It's a powerful combo when you have that subject matter expertise and someone who's built enterprise software coming together to truly understand, you know, how to build it first and foremost of getting the voice of the customer, even though we had a true voice of the customer embedded right in the founding partner. Um, And then going from there and also, you know, the, the whole concept of niche, like niche wasn't a thing when we first started and we had to really convince people that the physical therapy market, um, was big enough to, to sustain this type of growth over 15 years. We believed it in the beginning. Um, so that is one thing we truly believe there was opportunity to, to have a a, a fairly large company. Mm Um, I still have the, you know, ATM envelope that we, started writing all of these other opportunities. Yes, we would start with literally the back docu- of the envelope. Yes, literally <laughs> back of the envelope. Uh, all of these other opportunities, which I mean, back then it was a lot about marketing and other things that we knew uh, therapists weren't doing well. Um, so those weren't the immediate priorities at the time. But now if you look back on that envelope, we've pretty much checked off every single box that we thought about oh. back in the day in a platform situation. Which is pretty remarkable, I think. Yeah, part of part of what we hope this podcast is provides nuggets for for other Phoenix founders that want, that can think about their their own founder founder journey. But that idea, I think, for someone who really understands a market like you did, I th- I've seen that multiple times where someone really understands. I mean, maybe it's not a really specific roadmap, but it literally is, hey, we could do this, 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 and this. And those things tend to manifest over time if you stay at it long enough and, and, uh, and go take the market. So I love that. Well, people ask me, how have you been able to stay in this, mar- in this business for 15 years? It's not, you know, it's not very common for a founder to stay through all of these different sort of phases of growing a business. You know, a lot of people love that chaotic first stage. Some people are, you know, they've been in middle management and they, they like sort of that growth period. Others, you know, I don't know, people come in. Usually you're hired in at, at, the, at the private equity stage. It's not really a, a founder's sort of happy place. Um, and so for me, it's, it's part of that connection to the legacy that because this is my profession, this is a impact and an evolution and a transformation that 
I've been able to do on a profession that's meant so much to me, uh, I think is part of why I've been able to stay and to see that through, to see that vision through. When you were in PT school, did you know that you were going to transform the physical <laughs> therapy? Did you're like, hey, I'm going to own this? No, I was happy to. I mean, I, you know, I... And through my 15 years of PT, I, I broke through a, a lot of barriers as well, being yeah. working in professional sports, you know, becoming a clinic director, one of the largest sports medicine practices in the country. Like, I don't know, like there was a lot of things that I had goals that I had set for myself in the PT world that I was able to accomplish. But I mean, not to this level and scale for sure. Amazing. And I think the lesson here is that web PT, like camp. This logic proves that niches are not necessarily small. There is a very big market, market opportunity for a niche company. And these end markets can become really big, right? But with through, with through product expansion, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, product expansion. I mean, we initially, you know, everything was, um, you know, it's uh, wallet share versus market share. And initially it was a lot about wallet share, of course, because you can't have wallet share, wallet share unless you have market share. Right, and so really expanding our opportunity with our core products within um, the industry of knowing, you know, what the possibility was in terms of, of customers or as we call them members, um, how many clinics were actually there. So doing the diligence of understanding the total addressable market, but then being able to add on and you know talk about ancillary. Uh, other potential industries that are like yours. So, you know, we talk about Cairo, we've talked about, you know, behavioral health and other sort of, you know, side uh, industries that, that are adjacent to ours that perhaps our product could be used for in the future. Is that what the future looks like for YPT? You know, we've had, to, had that conversation for many years. Um, the only way that it would happen today, in my opinion, is through acquisition. Um, and perhaps, you know, private equity putting together uh, multiple of these adjacent uh, companies that have been the winners in each one of these segments, putting them together into some sort of, you know, larger organization that still feeds each one of these uh, niches. Because what we've learned in healthcare specifically, one size cannot fit all because all of these different providers are very, you know, specific and intricate, whether it's because of billing issues and the CPT codes used or how the actual provider interacts with your technology. All of those nuances are really important now that technology has proliferated into the industry. People are scaling to, hey, I need efficiency. I need, you know, what works for me and makes the best sort of, uh, uh, connection with, uh, or ease of use, I would say, uh, with the technology, whether it's through the patient interaction or even my, my interaction as a provider. Uh, WebPT has also built a lot of muscle around acquisitions. You mentioned some of these extensions could happen through acquisitions. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure that your ability to do an acquisition now is quite different than when it was that you did the first one. You've probably got a pretty good template for that. Yeah, we have a pretty good template and the size of acquisition has changed, yeah. you know, quite a bit. Um, part, the reason for acquisition has changed. You know, there was early, early on, there's always the discussion around buy versus build. Right. Right. Time to market, you know. Is it going to be cost more to build it or is it going to be easier to just buy it and integrate it in? I will say the harder part over time has been the integration piece. You have a lot of ambition around, oh my gosh, I can see all uh, how this could totally work together. And sometimes the diligence on the technology 
uh, is such so critical. We've learned part of our template now is so critical to that because uh, although it might seem quote unquote easy to put two platforms or two you know pieces of technology together, it's, it's not always easy, especially when it comes to having data integration. Yeah, it's probably never as easy as we think it's going to be going into these acquisitions here yeah. for sure. Um, I wanted to go back on something you said and ask about, uh, you, you use the word phases and how the phases of, of, of WebPT have changed, but I wanted to ask about the kind of the founder phases and how your job has changed and how people around you have changed and how that's affected, uh, your view. Cause you've, you've brought in, you know, multiple CEOs over the years and you've brought in multiple investors. Each one of those represents really meaningful change for you, for you and for the company and the team. Any, any thoughts on how to navigate those phases or changes and how, how things have changed for you across those phases? Yeah, my role in the company today is probably more of a, sub, I mean, I'm a board member, so at the highest level. Um, and then within the business, like my title has changed multiple times. I've never sort of been a title person, but today my title is chief uh, clinical officer, which really speaks to the subject matter expertise that I continue to bring to the business. Um, so I work very closely, can continue to work with our product teams and then our marketing teams, somewhat still at the face of the company, although we love to have many voices of the physical therapist and other providers that are within the business. Um, and so, you know, it's been a humbling experience, and I think that's probably the the biggest piece of advice I would say is that really to your core, know what your strengths are and what you love to do. Like I've been able to carve out the pieces that I love to do and gets me up out of bed in the morning to say, yay, I still want to go to WebPT every day or, or work with these amazing people that we work with and have brought in um, over this 15-year period. Right. And, and early on, you're wearing multiple hats and you have to do shit that you don't necessarily like to do, but you still do it because it's meaningful to the business. Right. And there's no one else that's going to do it. And then you get to a phase where you can hire people that are smarter than you in those areas. And that's what we did. Right. Um, we brought in a CEO in 2010 when we did that first round of funding with Canal Partners um, uh, and someone who was really knew how to scale a business to get us to sort of that next phase. And then after we met that phase, we brought someone in who knew how to scale a business from 20 to 100 million, which is a very different skill set. And now we have a CEO in who knows how to scale a business from 100 to 300 million, right? And, and has done it before. And now they're going to hopefully be able to repeat that same uh, success. My role through that is kind of stability. Stability for the organization, but also really um, a culture warrior, so part of, you know, culture has evolved over, you know, now we have, gosh, I don't know what number we're up to. If you include overseas employees, like somewhere around 1,000 to, to 1,200 employees. It's a very different situation totally of different communication. Yeah. And now, you know, too, post-COVID, we've transitioned to, you know, this uh, digital first uh, where we, you know, people are, majority of people are working from home. We've hired people all over the country. So it's not just all centralized here in Phoenix, which jury's still out on whether how much we really like that. But at the scale of where we are in a business, it's, it's inevitable. Right. Um, so it's really that's that sort of core historian, culture warrior, but subject matter expert um, that, I don't know, keeps everyone somewhat grounded. I love it. What's been most successful for you in culture building? 
Well, I have to give credit to the foundation that we built back in 2010, 2011, where we where, where we really sat down with that, you know, 40, 40 members of our um, employee base at that point and really sat down to have the conversation about who we are as a business, who we want to be as a business, and what are the core values. Those core values still are in existence today. There are integrated in everything that we do, even at a $200 million company. Like that has been unwavering. Every new CEO has gone and said, well, let's review and see if these still work. Every time they are at the crux and core representative of what we, what we still do today. And so that, I mean, talk about humbling. Like that is so important, I think, to, to really define that and the purpose and vision of what we wanted to do even, you know, 10 years ago, still rings true today. I think that was, I mean, it's foundational. If you liked this episode, let us know and subscribe to hear more at phxfounders.com. <laughs>